Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. It is my show and I am glad to have you with me today. I hope the skies are blue wherever you are and that it's good weather. Now, the phone number again, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425 if you would like to be a part of the program. Well, the New York Times has a story. According to the New York Times, Thanksgiving 2021 could be the most expensive meal in the history of the Thanksgiving holiday. Inflation, shortages. Listen to some of this. Caroline Huffman is already stashing canned pumpkin in the kitchen for her Chicago apartment when she finds some for under a dollar. She recently spent almost $2 more for the vanilla. She'll need to bake pumpkin bread and other desserts for the various Friendsgiving celebrations she's been invited to. Matthew McClure paid 20% more this month than he did last month for the 25 pasture-raised turkeys he plans to roast at The Hive, the Bentonville, Arkansas restaurant, where he's the executive chef. Norman Brown, director of sweet potato sales for Awada Farms in Raleigh, North Carolina, is paying truckers nearly twice as much as usual to haul the crop to other parts of the country. I've never seen anything like this. I've been running sweet potatoes for 38 or 39 years. I don't know what the answer is, but in the end, it's all going to get passed on to the consumer. Nearly every component of the traditional American Thanksgiving dinner, from the disposable aluminum turkey tray pan to the coffee and pie, will cost more this year, according to agricultural economists, farmers, and grocer executives. Major food companies like Nestle and Procter & Gamble have already warned consumers to brace for more price increases. Remember back in, uh, what was it, July, they were talking about how you were going to save uh, 16 cents on your July 4th picnic and that it was a great thing. Last year, the cost of a Thanksgiving dinner for 10 was the lowest it had been since 2010. So we went from the lowest it had been since 2010 under Trump to the highest it has ever been, ever, under Joe Biden. My goodness gracious. But it's not just that. This is a quote from AAA. Quote, the pump price has gone up every day in the past 27 days, adding approximately 20 cents to the cost of a gallon of gasoline. We now have the highest sustained regular gas prices in the United States. That in and of itself is absurd. Regular unleaded uh, is topping out over $3 everywhere across the nation. The national average is now $3.38. This is Joe Biden's economy now. He can't blame Donald Trump because Joe Biden said he could fix it and he controls everything. He controls the House of Representatives and he controls the United States Senate and he controls the federal bureaucracy and the executive departments and the executive branch. And he promised he would be bring relief, but he's made it worse. He's made it worse. And now the Democrats are desperate to change fundamentally society through the reconciliation bill. By the way, you should know, and this is breaking news, Joe Manchin has come out in the last 20 minutes and said, nope, 
Uh, he is opposed to any provision that allows the IRS to get reports on your bank accounts. So the, the snooping of your bank accounts, Joe Manchin is opposed to. But here is something Joe Manchin has not come out against yet. The unrealized capital gains tax increase. The unrealized capital gains tax. In addition to costing you at Thanksgiving and the pump, they're coming after the rich now, but it's only a precursor to coming after you. Let me explain to you what they want to do. The the Democrats, and I'm not making this up, by the way. This is actually their real proposal. They want to tax imaginary money. The Democrats want to power our energy with unicorn farts, an imaginary creature, and they wish to add a real tax to fake money, to imaginary money, to money that doesn't exist. It is absurd, and and I want to explain it to you so you understand how absurd it is. Now, I went to law school, so I don't have to do math, and here I am, I'm going to do math, and I'm going to try to keep it as simple as possible. Let's say you, you buy a house. You bought your starter home, you got it in an up-and-coming neighborhood, and you bought your home for $100,000. We're just keeping things real and easy for me to do. So you bought your house more than a decade ago for $100,000. And over time, your neighborhood's become up-and-coming, and new houses have come in, new people have come in, the neighborhood has prospered, your house is now valued at $500,000. So you have an unrealized gain of $400,000. You bought your house at $100,000. Your house is now worth $500,000. $500,000 minus $100,000, your gain has been $400,000. Now, you still live in the house. You haven't sold the house. You don't have the $400,000. Congressional Democrats, however, have decided they're going to tax you on that $400,000. You don't have the $400,000. You would have to sell your house to get the $400,000. And the Democrats are like, that, that's okay. You you sell your house. We want, we want the gain. We want to tax the gain, the money that you don't have, the money that doesn't exist, the imaginary money. Now, for now, they're not doing it to your house. They're doing it to the stock portfolios of the wealthy. So if you make $10 million or more, they're going to do it to you. So you are, uh, you've, you've got a, an investment account. You buy stocks. You own stock in companies. You bought stock in Apple Computer back in the day. And you're still holding on to that stock. In that stock, you have gained, say, $5 million. You bought a bunch of shares back in the 1990s when Apple had fallen to $17 a share. You bought some of it, and now you you, you got $100,000. They want to tax you on that. Now, you can say, well, it's only multimillionaires. I'm not a multimillionaire. The original income tax only applied to the super wealthy. They paid a 3% income tax and 6% if they made uh, upwards of, I want to say in real dollar terms today, like $10 million. So basically you made a million dollars. It was a 3% tax. You get up to 10 million. You paid 6%. 
Now the income tax covers everybody. Just about. You make over $45,000 a year, you're probably paying a little bit of income tax. It's only a matter of time before they take this unrealized capital gains tax and apply it to you. Look at the value of your 401k. It's gone up so much. Your Roth IRA, it's gone up so much. Surely you can be taxed on, on that increase. This is where they're headed. This is what they want to do. And you can say, you can be fine with it. You can say, cool, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna get that amount of money. But what do these people have to do? Because it's imaginary money. You own $100,000 in stock, it goes up to $500,000, and you've got a $400,000 unrealized gain. You hadn't cashed out the stock to get that $400,000 profit. You haven't cashed it out, but Democrats want to tax you on it even though you don't have it. It's imaginary money. It's not real. It's not realized. It's there if you sell it, but you have to take an affirmative step to make it real. It's not real, and they want to tax the imaginary dollars. What's going to have to happen to do that? You're going to have to sell the stock. What's going to happen? The stock market is continuing to reach all-time highs. You're going to have a bunch of millionaires and billionaires cause the stock market to crash when they sell their massive stakes in companies in order to pay taxes on money they don't have, and your 401k is going to get hurt in the process when the market crashes because everybody's got to divest to pay an imagine a real tax on imaginary money. You are going to pay the price with the devaluation of the stock market. And then what happens? The money's not going to flow back there. The money's going to flow elsewhere. So the money is going to flow to other investment accounts where the unrealized tax doesn't matter. So what's not taxed? Property. Property. So we're going to pass new, we're going to, to preclude new homeowners from being able to buy property because the rich will start pouring their money into property instead of the stock market. And what will that do? That will cause the price of property to go up, precluding Americans from owning homes. You'll be priced out of the market. And then you can be well and truly sure the Congress of the United States will come for the unrealized capital gains in your houses, that those of you who got in before it happened, before the shift, you'll be taxed on those unrealized gains and you'll have to sell your house to the billionaires who Congress wants to punish. All of this is readily foreseeable. All of it's readily foreseeable. Now, here's the twist. You pay the tax on your imaginary money. Your stock portfolio went from 100000 to 500000 You got $400,000 in unrealized gains, and you pay a 20% tax on that. You pay, what, what would it be, $80,000? What happens if you pay that money you haven't sold the stock. You had you you pulled $80,000 from an account that you happen to have. 
and then the stock crashes because everybody else sells their stock to pay. Do you get to offset now the decline from the taxes you paid? <laughs> no, 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 they're, they're not going to let you offset. You'll get a little bit of a deduction. You will get a little bit of a deduction, but you will have to spread it out over multiple years. You won't be able to get it immediately. You'll have to spread that out over multiple years. Your losses you spread out over multiple years, but your tax you pay immediately. So we have the most expensive Thanksgiving ever. The pump price has gone up every day for the last 27 days, adding 20 cents to the cost of a gallon of gas. The national average is $3.38. And now Democrats propose further wrecking the economy by forcing people to pay real taxes on imaginary money so that they can fund their social reengineering scheme across the country. That Joe Biden did not have the mandate to do this. He had the mandate to not be Donald Trump. But he's going to never let a crisis go to waste. He's going to take advantage of it. And you got to understand, this is not about let's do everything we can as quickly as we can because we're going to lose. This is about let's do everything we can as quickly as we can so that progressives will turn out next November and mitigate the damage. But I, there are a lot of suburban voters. See, the Democrats are convinced in their bubble that the suburban voters are theirs now and they can't lose those. Yes, they can lose those voters. In Georgia, in January of 2021, in the runoff for Kelly Leffler and David Perdue against Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff, there was a six-point swing of independent white suburban voters back to the GOP. They didn't like Trump. They liked Leffler and Perdue. So with Trump not on the ballot, they came back to the GOP. Those suburban voters are going to swing back as well. They got no choice. Biden has grabbed hold of a mandate he never had to do things no one ever wanted, to placate progressives so that they can try to help him next November. There's going to be hell to pay. There will be hell to pay for the Democrats. But you know what? We're paying for it all. The way we use the Internet, well, it's changed over the last decade. Security tools have mostly stayed the same. Aura provides complete digital security to help protect your online accounts, finances, devices, and so much more in an easy-to-use app. Most credit card companies do a good job of protecting you against fraudulent purchases. But what if a scammer files for unemployment in your name or if your social media accounts hacked? Aura's protection goes beyond your credit card. Between your photos, your finances, your devices, your connections, your world's more online than ever. You may have security systems in place for real life, but what about your online life? Aura can sound the alarm if your digital presence is at risk. They provide digital security protection. They keep your online finances, your personal information, and your technology safe from online threats. It's all-in-one protection for identity theft, financial fraud, malware, scam sites, so much more. With Aura, you'll get notified for defraud and threats fast. If your online accounts, your passwords are leaked online, someone, you're, you're going to be told by Aura. Like a lot of people, they won't tell you. Or is easy to set up. All plans come with a million dollars in identity theft insurance to help recover stolen funds and experience U.S.-based customer support that's got your back. For a limited time, Aura is offering you guys 40% off plans when you visit Aura.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You go to Aura.com slash Eric, again, E-R-I-C-K, you get complete protection, you get savings of up to 40%. That's Aura.com slash Eric, A-U-R-A dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. 
Howdy. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I got to. I got to spend just just one second here before I get to phones and just reiterate this point because this actually kind of blows my mind. The last year of the Trump administration gave us the cheapest Thanksgiving meal since 2010. The first year of the Biden administration gives us the most expensive Thanksgiving ever. That's crazy. All right, to the phones we go. Sid, you're going to be up first. Welcome. Oh, hi there, Sid. Hi. Colin from Alpharetta, I'm listening to this about uh, uh, taxing unrealized uh, gains. And yes. that's sort of rem- reminiscent of long time ago, uh, Enron, where Enron was posting profit before they sold anything. And they called the term mark to market. And we all know what happened with Enron. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, yes. Is this, is, this, is, this, is this similar to that? What, I mean, yes. Uh, yeah, it's very much like that. Except, except you're you're paying the real tax. So yeah, so what Enron was doing, Sid's right, is they knew they were selling stuff, and they knew what the profit was going to be. So they were posting the profit as if it had happened, even though the sale didn't go through. And when the market began to tank, that then caused Enron to sell stuff at prices not matching the profits they'd already posted. And so they initially started rejiggering the books to try to make it all align, and they couldn't, and it caught up with them. And, and the whole thing went under, which brought us the Sarbanes-Oxley Law and a bunch of other stuff. You can't post unrealized profits or announce them, but yet Congress now wants to tax you on those unrealized profits, uh, which is, Sid, that's a good catch. Uh, that's exactly the situation here. They, Congress, the Democrats, I should say the Democrats, want to tax you on money you don't have. It's not that you don't have access to this money. It's that this money does not exist. But on paper, it looks like it does. This is a scheme, by the way, from Ron Wyden, uh, the Oregon progressive Democrat in the Senate. He came up with this idea a number of years ago as a wealth tax to go after millionaires and billionaires. That essentially millionaires and billionaires, you know, they, they a lot of them, They don't get a paycheck like Steve Jobs, for example. God rest his soul. Steve Jobs got paid a dollar a year to work for Apple. Why? He can't live on a dollar a year. Steve Jobs even couldn't live on a dollar a year. No, but Steve had billions of dollars in Apple stock and he could sell the stock. And because he could sell the stock, he wasn't getting taxed at the 30 some odd percent rate that the income tax is or was then. He was getting taxed at the 20% capital gains rate. So, yeah, like Warren Buffett says, his secretary pays more in taxes than he does. Yes, because the secretary pays an income tax and Warren Buffett doesn't get income. Warren Buffett gets a tax based on his capital gains. He sells stock and he gets taxed on the profits of the stock he's held for more than a year. So keep in mind, under, under tax law, I think it's the same as it was when I was in law school having to do this. If you sell stock within 364 calendar days of buying it, you pay actual uh, income tax. So if you buy stock at $100 and you sell it at $500, you get $400 and you get taxed at your regular income tax rate. But if you've held the stock for 365 days, you get taxed at the capital gains rate and the capital gains rate is 20%. It's typically lower than a lot of rich people's income taxes. Why? Because the government values your long-term investment in markets as being a social good. 
for the Democrats to now go tax the gains that you've never even collected suggest they think it's now a social bad for you to invest in long-term businesses and markets. And it's going to, there's going to be hell to pay. That's going to be a problem. It's going to wreck the economy further and they don't even realize it. When we come back though, we got to shift to corporate America and the would-be corporate censors. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Let us return to the phones. Rooster, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. It's been a while since I've talked to you. It sure has. How are you? I'm doing awesome. So I've got an interesting question. Let me Let me build to it. Let me get to it. So Congress and everybody's wanting to know how much money we have in our accounts, as is, mine included. Okay. And let's say I have stocks and such. I mean, that's that's how sometimes we make money, by getting stocks or 401Ks or whatever have you, or retirement or pension, whatever. If they go through this capital gains imagined money tax, okay, how often would they tax it would be every year, even if you're not getting any money out of your, let's say, pension or whatever? And we all know that even though it might be for the $200,000, million income people, eventually the taxes come down to everybody else. Yeah, so it eventually it would. Now, the way it would work, my understanding of it as proposed by Ron Wyden, and he's going to release more details later today, is that it would be based on the stocks you own and it would be per stock. So if you make over $10 million a year for now and you have a stock that has, let's say just hypothetically, I think the number is a 50% increase over time and I forget what the window is, maybe like a 10-year window, uh, you're going to pay on that. And that's it's a one-time thing per stock. Uh, now, let's say you get rid of that stock and you buy another stock. Well, that stock goes up over time. You're going to pay on that that stock. So it's only per per investment or per investment account. But when you keep adding accounts, you get the stock. Essentially, they're trying to spin it as a one-time wealth tax. But you and I both know Congress likes to tax, and there's no way they just keep this at the at the $10 million level. Eventually, they'll say, well, let's let the, the, the million-dollar people do it now. Uh, let's let the five hundred thousand dollar people do it now. That's mm-hmm. that's where we're headed with this. Well, uh, it well, will be. Well, one here's time a question, Eric. Yep, go ahead. Okay, if that stock, let's say I have a stock that's worth you know ten thousand dollars, and it goes up by fifty percent. Okay, but then in a couple of years it goes up again. Let's say I got Apple stock whenever it's worth a dollar, and every time it goes up fifty percent. Does that mean that I get taxed again and again and again and again? I I don't know the answer to that one, but my guess is that yes. Um, They say it's a one-time tax on stock, but I got to imagine if the stock increases again to a level that it had been, they're going to force you to to pay on it again. Even though I hadn't gotten any of the money myself. Yeah. I mean, in, in all of the scenarios we're talking about, you haven't actually sold the stock. So it's only on paper that you have the wealth. It's not a real tax. It sounds like a miracle pill for taxes. Tax you, tax you again, tax you again yeah. off money that you're not making anything off of. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. So, I mean, just just for example, and Rooster, thanks very much for the call. When you look at Elon Musk, 
Uh, when you look at him on the the uh, what is it the for- the Forbes list of the wealthiest people, he's worth like two hundred eighty nine billion dollars. Elon Musk does not have in the bank two hundred eighty nine billion dollars. Mark Zuckerberg, he's listed at one hundred thirty one billion dollars. He doesn't actually have one hundred thirty one billion dollars. What he has, what Elon Musk has, is stock in a company, and their their wealth is presumed to be based on the value of that stock. Even though they don't have that money, they're they're not bringing home billions of dollars like that. But what Congress, the Democrats would do was force them to sell stock to pay a tax on what the Forbes wealthiest list says they're worth, which is bizarre. All right, uh, to the phones we go. Richard, you're going to be next. Welcome. Hey, Hey, Richard. Uh, Hey, I just want to say that in in the 80s, Georgia did this, and it was fought through the courts and ruled unconstitutional. I'm sure of it. I filled out tax forms in Georgia where I had to declare the stocks that I purchased or the stocks that I owned and the number of shares, and it was then calculated by the value. That sounds like something that the Democrats in Georgia would have done in the 80s. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, you raise a good point here, Richard, the constitutionality of it. I don't know that it's constitutional. Now, Congress is allowed uh, any tax except a direct tax, and a direct tax tends to be a, a, a tax on you as an individual uh, because of you as an individual. Uh, it's it's in, And capitation taxes are on, on heads of household. In other words, you can't tax someone based on the number of people in the family. I wonder if the courts, though, will say that this is constitutional because, again, the the money doesn't exist. It's fictitious money. It does not exist. And yet they, they're going to proceed down this road. And I got to tell you, when, when you point this stuff out on social media, the mob comes for you. The, the mob is out of control on this issue, the progressive mob. They think this is a great idea. And so we're in a situation where progressives are out there championing a real tax on imaginary money. Which tells you everything you need to know about how they want to fundamentally transform America. You know who else is fundamentally trying to transform America? Twitter is an interesting situation. I have a love-hate relationship with Twitter. I love to hate them. And Jim Banks is a friend of mine. He's a congressman. Jim Banks has been suspended from Twitter for 24 hours for calling Assistant Health and Human Services Secretary Rachel Levin a biological male. And, And Rachel Levin is a biological male. It's actually truth. I got suspended for pointing out Laurel Hubbard uh, may identify as a woman, but biologically is male. I got suspended for that tweet. A, a friend of mine, Brian Matson, he's a theologian, lives in Montana. He has been suspended for saying the same thing about Rachel Living. Now, I find this interesting because you know what? If I were in Pakistan right now, if I lived in Karachi and I said, oh, America's got themselves a a Health and Human Services Secretary, who's a man, but they they have to say she's uh, he's a she. I would be allowed my account. I would be allowed in Pakistan to keep my account. It's only in the United States and in Western societies that accept the transgender agenda that you're forced to stop 
talking about it. In China, you can say anything you want unless you disagree with the Chinese regime. Then Twitter will turn you off. Twitter allows the Iranian mullahs, the Taliban, ISIS, the communist Chinese and the communist Cubans and the communist North Koreans to have Twitter accounts where they can spread their propaganda and lies. But you as an American are not allowed to talk about biological truth on Twitter or Twitter will shut you down. Twitter, Jack Dorsey, when he started Twitter, he claimed it was going to be a, a basically a paragon of free speech. People would be able to come there and free speech would be the highest and best value. But then the wokes who work at Twitter started getting upset about it and saying it hurt them to have people say not nice things on the platform they worked for. So they shut it down. And in particular, they're very ruthless against Christians and conservatives at Twitter. But there's a larger issue here. I, I want to spend a, a few moments talking about it. And this is one of those issues. I'm not sure I have the solution, although I'm pretty sure I know what won't work. We have in Twitter a corporation that is willing to do the censorious bidding of the loudest mob in each country. So in the United States, you can tell that the, the transgender community, even more than the, we're not talking about the, the gay and lesbian community here. We're talking specifically about the transgender community. The transgender community can have you punished. Dave Chappelle has a movie that's supposed to be coming out and it's been dropped. No one will now air his movie because of his monologue, The Closer because the transgender community demanded it. He's released a statement and he said uh, they want a safe work environment. And the only one who can't go to the office anymore is Dave Chappelle. Twitter will do their bidding because they are the, the bully in the United States. They say everyone else is bullying them, but you can say what you want about anybody, just not, not them, you get punished. They're, therefore, they must be the bully. The communist Chinese have access to Twitter. In China, you can tweet whatever you want. If you can get access to Twitter, you can tweet whatever you want. Just nothing bad about that regime because they're the biggest bully. In Islamic countries, if you say, if you disparage Muhammad, Twitter's going to turn off your account because you've, you've disparaged Muhammad in an Islamic country. They're going to come for Twitter. In, in Russia, you can get by with a lot of stuff, but you better not criticize Vladimir Putin or else. Twitter does the bidding of the tyrants. In this country where we have freedom of speech, on Twitter you don't. And they're a private entity and we say private entities get to set, set their, their parameters. But the irony here is that in tw at Twitter, they reduce your freedom of speech to conform to a tyranny that demands it just as they do in every other country. They're not a, they're not a, a beacon. They're not a, a virtuous company. Nike, Apple, they're two companies that regularly engage in business in China. And Apple has purged from its Chinese app store uh, Bibles and Korans. So people cannot digitally read the Bible. They cannot digitally, uh, they cannot digitally access the Quran. They cannot digitally access religious materials the communist Chinese say not to, not to acknowledge. In, in China, the NBA is doing everything they can to make amends for the the Celtics player, is it? That Inez, um, what's his name, who's, who's talking about China being a, a tyrant, being a bully. Nike does not like the fact that, uh, that, that there are people in this country 
on sports teams who might criticize China while they want to lecture us about being wokes. Nike's perfectly happy to make money out of China and use Chinese sweatshops to make their goods. ESPN Disney. They like the money from China for NBA games. They like the money from China for for basketball, for, for not just basketball, but they like the money for movies. Disney wants access to the Chinese box office, so they're perfectly happy to censor on behalf of China. At some point, conservatives need to put some thought into this because I, I, I long ago was in the David Fringe camp of the market will sort this stuff out. But how can the market short sort itself out when these companies are held hostage to a degree by the bullies? And to some degree, they've hired the bullies. Now, you know, a lot of Fortune 500 companies, they've hired the wokes. The wokes are in charge of human resources. The wokes are in charge of marketing. Uh, Progressives have embedded themselves within these companies to shun you and me. There was a movement, you will recall, General Motors used to advertise on conservative talk radio. They hired a bunch of liberals who agitated against them. Uh, Rush Limbaugh and the Sandra Fluck matter. GM used that as their excuse to get out of advertising in conservative media. They used to. They wanted to get out. The wokes were demanding they get out. They used this as an excuse that they've never come back. You see businesses routinely. They'll advertise on left-wing websites. They won't advertise on conservative sites because the wokes are involved with them. General Electric is notorious for throwing money at left-wing sites like Vox.com ignoring everything on the right. Now, there is some some idea that, that on the right that we need to we need to go after these companies, but how do you do it? And that's the problem and it's one of the actual fascinating conversations on the right right now. There are people like JD Vance and others who want to push unionization now. Drive up these companies' labor costs, force them to do things uh for for they're blue-collar workers. The problem here is you grow unions, you suddenly grow the power base of the Democratic Party again. Because I, I forget who it was. Was it Robert Heinlein, the libertarian writer, wrote Starship Troopers? He had a, had a list of, of rules that, that are brilliant rules, and one of them is any institution not explicitly established as conservative will, over time, become progressive. Any institution not explicitly established as conservative will over time become progressive. It's true. You see this in the Fortune 500. So what do we do to push back on, on groups like Twitter where they say, hey, it's a, we're a private business. We can do this. You're, they're right. But they, they make their decisions very one-sided. It, no, it's, it's not they make decisions for progressives. No, they're moral relativists. They make decisions for whichever bully is in charge. And we see this with these other corporations. At some point, conservatives are going to have to realize uh, that the free market rules don't apply because this isn't a free market. It is progressive who've embedded, who are steering companies away from market decisions based on access for all to placate the needs of a mob, a very tyrannical mob at that, a censorious mob. And they're bidding, they're doing the bidding of governments. That that actually is fascism there. When a corporation does the bidding of a government, that's fascistic. What do we do? Conservatives need to start having these conversations and they they need to be very careful about setting precedents that the left will then use because there are more of them than there are of us. But this conversation's gotta start happening when you see this. Now, one of the ironies here with Twitter. It's banning people for speaking biological truths. It's created a bit of performance art for conservative politicians. 
they go online and they speak truth and they get banned. And it shows their credibility to speak to these issues. So if anything, ironically, Twitter in banning people for saying the truth that Rachel Levin is a man, they're emboldening and giving credibility to a new generation of conservative politician who's willing to speak that truth. They're, in other words, providing greater platforms for the spread of the idea that Twitter thinks is terrible by casting attention on it through banning it. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. If your business needs access to large loans and refinancing, you name it, you need to reach out to First Liberty. They can help you nationwide. FirstLibertyGA.com, FirstLibertyGA.com. Thanks to them for helping us keep this show going. Now, I got other stuff to talk about, but I I, I got to I, I want to keep taking your phone calls. 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. But I got to I got to say something first. I got uh, a surprisingly, actually, an extraordinary amount of hate mail. And it was only from a couple people, but man, did I make them mad yesterday. What I was talking about was the massive convoy of immigrants headed to this country. And that they're not the bad guys. They are in desperate, desperate shape. They are in desperate struggles. The bad guys are the politicians who told them it was okay to come. And I said, it's illegal and they can't stay. They got to respect our laws. But don't, don't vilify them. They don't know. Joe Biden and the Democrats have told them to come. So understand their situation. Understand they can't stay. But understand it's the it's the politicians who are the bad guys here, not the people who are starving, who are desperate, who are willing to walk all the way through Central America to come. And, man, I, I had a, a, a handful of people, but they, they couldn't stop emailing and commenting on Substack. I had to actually refund money and ban a couple of people from, from my Substack page for – you vilified the people who stormed the Capitol. Why don't you vilify these? Well, if you can't understand the difference between hungry people who Joe Biden said come and they came and realized they can't stay, don't realize they can't stay, versus those who actually tried to disrupt Congress from exercising one of the primary jobs of Congress, I'm sorry that your brain is that broken. I am sorry that you are a stupid person but you are a stupid person if you can't distinguish between these groups of people. One, Joe Biden said come, and they're breaking the law so they can't stay and we got to send them home. And two, the people who went into the Capitol smashed through doors to get in there to try to stop Congress from counting a vote that Congress was authorized to count. I, I'm sorry, you can't distinguish between those people? I actually am a fairly nuanced person of sound mind who's not a crazy person. And I'm sorry you felt the need to pile on all sorts of invective and hate mail. And I know you're listening right now, which is why I put this here, because I know you're listening. When we come back, we got to move on, though, to the economy. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution if you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business. 
First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan. Say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com. 